Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Before I start this week, do please rate, review and subscribe to the show on whichever platform you use. I know it must be a pain getting this reminder weekly, but it's so important for independent podcasts like this to get those ratings and reviews, particularly keen on getting them on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy this uh, long-running show. More reviews equals greater visibility in the Apple Podcast Store, and that equals more listeners. It's simple and it's crucial for indie shows like this, as are RTs and shares on your social media. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday the 25th of January 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 305. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going in this age of the pandemic. What a strange time this is. What a difficult time this is. I'm sure it's no different for you. Snow in London yesterday. Thankfully, it hasn't settled but it did make for a fairly cold day i think by the late afternoon in london certainly south london that snow had turned to rain which i was relieved about although i suppose right now icy conditions wouldn't be too much of a a concern given that if you're doing the right thing you're staying indoors unless you're going out for essential supplies which is what i'm doing awful exercise although i haven't done any shopping in the last week. I'll come to that uh, shortly. So I'm hoping that's us done with the snow. Yesterday I was rationing the heating. Let me just give you a time check quickly. 10.14 going for an early record today. Again, I'll tell you why uh, shortly. So yesterday I just kept warm. I was alternating or tried to keep warm. I was alternating between staying in the bedroom and staying in the front room. There was plenty of football on yesterday and uh, I only tend to try and get involved with a game really if it's Liverpool playing or if it's a really big game and not not because I'm one of these guys who's just interested in big teams but just because there's so much football on TV as a spectacle. I don't think I don't think it really works as a spectacle anymore as a I think uh, as as the guest on last week's episode of when shorts were shorts uh, said to me you can catch 20 games on any given day and and that is the problem it's just there's just too much of it so it's not it's not really an event anymore and what I will often do is I'll have the football on in the background. I'll have the commentary muted just because the commentary these days, there's no real outstanding commentator that I want to listen to. So I'll have the commentary muted and I'll just have a podcast on on the uh, Player FM app. Just try and listen to some show that I might have recently got into or just try out some new show, some new indie show that uh, is new to me that I've only got into recently or I might just be reading. So I was doing a lot of that yesterday and uh, just try and 
try to keep warm. I think I was averaging eight layers, had the hat on. Do need another self haircut, not had one for a while. Putting that off a bit, partly because it's really cold to go any shorter on the hair and also because it does take an hour and a half or two hours and really ideally given the poor lighting in that bathroom it's something that really needs to be done in the mornings and uh, mornings is when I'm most productive. I don't really want to do it at the weekend because I'm using two different sets of clippers. They're quite noisy. It might sound to some neighbour like someone's mowing the lawn and uh, you don't want to be annoying people at the weekend with hair clipper audio that might be mistaken for a lawnmower and really it would just feel like the discipline I'm struggling to summon on a day-to-day basis but nevertheless summoning it would seem like not the best use of time to be having a haircut during the day when I really should be trying to do the things that most of us need to be doing right now to be getting through this uh through this uh, weirdness. The windows here, I probably mentioned it last week. I've subsequently mentioned it to the uh, the builders because I still haven't got the missing key for one of the windows and it's just really annoying. If, uh, As I said, if there are three windows that need three keys, even if it's the same keys, you had three keys, give me the three keys. Don't give me two. I don't want to be taking one key out of one window to fit it into another window. You know, it's meant to be three keys. Do your job properly. Give me those three keys. I'm just astonished and disappointed, of course, at just how cold this flat remains. Never mind the fact that the soundproofing is just non-existent, that this road remains, that the, the traffic remains as problematic as it always has been when it comes to uh, editing these shows and any audio work that I do, and it prevents me from ever expanding my audio work into uh, putting together audio books for potential clients. That's something I'll never be able to do as long as I live here, and I can't get the place soundproofed right now because of the uh, lockdown restrictions. So I did have a builder friend who I think he'd recommended, was it Rockwall? I think so. I was definitely looking into improving the sounds, uh, the, 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 the soundproof in here in this flat. I can't do anything about that right now. Nothing has changed in terms of the way I have to work, and that's fine. I, I accept that. I accept that. There are little things I can do, little tricks I can do on the audio side of things to, to improve the sound. What really disappoints me is just how cold this flat remains. I don't understand it. I mean, I'm not sure if the windows are double glazing. They're certainly thicker than the old windows. The only improvement I can see is that the window frames, the rotting window frames have gone. So... There's an obvious improvement there. Aesthetically, the new windows look really nice. Okay, great. But it's cold. The flat is cold. It's as cold as it was. There's no condensation on the windows. Okay, right. That That's a big plus, admittedly. So there are three pluses. The rotten frames have gone. The windows look nicer and there's no condensation. But it's still cold. How can it be cold if the windows are new, if the windows are meant to be thicker? I don't understand this, and it's just really disappointing. And, you know, this winter, hopefully, just maybe got four or five, six more weeks of this to go before spring starts to arrive. But then I'm thinking about, well, 
next winter, though, I now know that there's been no improvement. Assuming that I'm still here, there's been no improvement in terms of warming this flat up for the winter. The radiators are old. I still haven't got around to trying to bleed the bathroom radiator with the uh, Poundland bathroom radiator. Sorry. Uh, radiator bleeding kit that I bought, which I think I bought just because it looked like a very masculine thing to have in the flat. And I quite like that. I quite like, you know, it's about the only thing I like about DIY is that it does make you feel a bit more masculine. You're handling a screwdriver, even in the old days when all I knew was how to change a fuse, just seeing some of these fuses in the palm of your hand, you say, you think, yeah, this is DIY technically. The lowest entry point of DIY but this is DIY I'm a man all these things that my dad was teaching me in the mid to late 80s here I am doing them 30 years later so that's a concern and not got the boiler serviced you know just putting out fires at the moment coffee spillages to report there were two this morning it's that passage between the Argos simple value oil filled radiator and this uh, this giant desk which I have somehow made to feel very small again just because all the clutter that was here before the building work was carried out before the windows was were done that clutter is back it's also growing again behind me I'm just I've always been messy I've always been a someone and I, I think it just goes to it goes back to the early days at Mayflower and you know always maybe being spoilt in terms of the amount of stuff I had as a kid to be fair I don't know if my parents particularly my mum was just making up for the fact that we didn't have our own rooms as kids or even as teenagers even as young adults and it meant that there was nowhere for that stuff to go so everything would be stuffed behind chairs uh, initially in an orderly fashion but then you know as I say or as I have said with all the Sabuccio teams that Teams would never go in their box properly. There'd be lots of loose players. There'd be players in the wrong boxes. If it was a, a cup final, I wouldn't put the fencing back properly. It was all a mess. And I've said this before, 1981, I remember my mum having to... The cluttering had got so bad by the time we came back from uh, Spain that summer that I remember my mum spending several hours trying to get all my Sabutio stuff in order. And that's how it is these days almost uh you know four decades on well four decades on this year it's the same situation i'm just i'm just not a very tidy guy i'm a clean guy but i'm a messy guy everything that i find that i use on a daily basis i find it through instinct i find it because i'll know for example to my left there will be uh certain notebooks to my right there will be the latest notebook in front of me will be my physical diary my 2021 diary which i bought for 50p back in the summer which you know real bargain that i'm very pleased with that and i think the satisfaction i drew from making such a bargain purchase i think will be or is something that has helped me get into the new year in a fairly decent uh, fashion one less thing to worry about normally in january the amount of trips i'm making into several shops to try and find a a bargain price diary you know it can take me maybe a week once those diary prices uh, come down it can take me a week maybe to find uh, a decent bargain on the diary front that wasn't the case uh, this year so there was a big uh, coffee spillage and my mobile is so sensitive that I spilled coffee on some notes but also on the phone and it immediately triggered the torch app which I have on the main screen on the phone, which it shouldn't be there really. I do use the torch a lot on the phone, 
but it shouldn't be on the main screen just because it's always turning itself on with the slightest contact and then it doesn't turn itself off immediately. So I think certainly in 2021, I think I'll probably have to buy a new phone at some point. It's uh, it's done the job. It's got me through the last uh, couple of years, but I probably need uh, something a bit better. A weekend of back issues. I've had to take more pills uh, today. Yesterday I took Nurofen. Today I've just gone back to ibuprofen. I, you know, I'm aware that I'm one of those guys who can be too eager to take pills or just doesn't think anything about the long-term consequences of taking pills. And, you know, for, for the football show, because I have to read a lot of old players' autobiographies or biographies, it often mentions the kind of uh, medical treatment that they got for injuries and how they are now paying the prices for those uh, for the way those injuries were treated things like cortisone jabs which I've had I've had two of those over the years and also the amount of ibuprofen those footballers were taking in the years all those things catch up with you and uh, I've been better the last couple of years but certainly uh, I, I do think for a guy I've always said this for a guy who's very disciplined and not tribal and easily resisted temptation to do hard drugs just because I didn't want to be one of the crowd and also because I thought, you know, I have the kind of personality that could easily see me uh, build up uh, an addiction to these things. So I've got that side to me, which I think I'm, is a good thing. But then I've got the side that thinks, well, it's prescription drugs. It's stuff you can buy in a pharmacy. That's okay. I can take as much of this stuff as I want within reason. And that's something that I've, I've got on top of in recent years. But when I think about the amount of pills I've taken over the years, when I think of some of the strong pills I was taking, even in my early years in this particular flat, it's not good. And I'm sure there'll be a price to pay for that uh, in the near future, probably. I think Star Wars football is definitely aggravating the back because I'm, I've got such a backlog of fixtures here in uh, Silver Age Season 5. That's it, Season 5 now. I crammed in three games on Saturday, managed to stay off the PC, which I needed to at the very least for my uh, for my eyesight. I played three games of Star Wars football. I'd had to take painkillers to get me through the games. Then yesterday morning, I was paying the price for the three games, paying the price to the extent that I wasn't able to have a workout yesterday. I thought I'll I'll um, just try and rest the back. Motivation at the moment is a real problem. It's the middle part of the day. And it's not necessarily the early afternoon. It's, you know, I'll do the seven or eight hours. If I'm lucky, normally it's a lot longer on the PC. And then there are maybe two or three hours before the evening. And that's where I tend to struggle. And someone said to me last week, well, that's the point at which you should do your exercise, which is a fair point. But at the moment with the, um, I mean, obviously the days are getting longer now, but it's still... You know, if I was to go out for a run in the late afternoon, there is still the risk that I'd get locked in the park again. And also my vision isn't as good anymore. You're talking about your eyes again, Dave. I am. The eyesight isn't strong enough now to, to be running in twilight. Not with uh, not when I'm running on grass and there are lots of, you know, loose branches, twigs, what have you. The amount of times I've almost gone over this uh, this winter, that wasn't happening last winter and uh, so it's that middle part of the day it's it's the part of the day after I've done what I need to do and I'm also trying to be hard with myself I'm trying to say okay look you can't keep doing as much 
as you're doing. You've got to think, okay, I've cut into this bit of all the stuff that I meant to do. The rest of this has to wait until tomorrow because this is no way to live. In the evenings, you know, I'm able to switch off, you know, reading, listening to the radio. So that's okay, watching Newsnight. I'm fairly decent at doing that, but it's the bit, it's the bridge between the main chunk of the day and uh, the evening. At today, I think I've given you the time check. I'll give you another one, 10, 29 hours. Today, I'm having to go for the early pre-run record, and I've had to do that. I was going to do the show after today's run because I think I tend to feel a bit better, uh, you know, more blue sky-ish after a run. But there was an email from uh, the young guy downstairs, the one who's always buying stuff, taking big deliveries, that there's going to be some building work in his flat and, you know, fairly decent. Well, it is decent of him to let us know. And uh, so, so there's... Nothing. There's no repeat of what happened a few months ago when he didn't let anyone know, and I had to go down there at eight in the evening because uh, twenty hundred hours for consistency. I had to go down there that evening just to try and find out what was going on and to just basically show my face and let them know there was someone above them because the noise that evening was uh, dreadful. It's likely to be as bad today, but at least I know. At least he's given everyone the heads up, and and that's it. It's 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 fine. I just uh, personally, you know, he's been here six months now and he's still, I mean, I've been in that flat when uh, the other neighbor lived there and it's no bigger than this flat. So I'm not quite sure what else he needs to do in there. Or, you know, what is it? Is it, is, is it a kind of TARDIS in there? Is it much bigger than I think the place is? Is it bigger than this flat? Because as far as I know, it isn't. And there was so much building work going on before he moved in. So what else is he doing? Is he rebuilding the building work that was done last year? And of course, that means then that uh, all the boxes, which he rarely breaks up properly, he'll be using about two of the recycling bins for that stuff. It'll all be about him and, uh, you know, the the I'm all right, Jack mentality. So hopefully I'll finish this show this morning before the building work kicks in. I have seen his builder. I recognized his builder. I saw him coming in this morning. His builder's got a very... um old-fashioned beard a kind of disc beard the 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 all round the mouth goatee that were they were massive in the mid to late 90s were dated by the time Ricky Gervais did the office in 2001 by then really if you wanted a to to pull off a, a fashionable goatee the tash and the beard needed at the split and this guy's just got the all round the mouth goatee saw him turning up with some shelving today he was in a hoodie it's that look of, um, which I've been doing a lot of, as I've said in recent weeks, this winter where it is cold out, but you're not wearing your winter coat. You may be getting by with a couple of layers. And I think for me, I think that came from, as I've said, I think that's come from the fact that I've been running now through two winters. So in a way, I'm feeling the cold less when I'm out. My tolerance has built up. So I'm, I'm now almost at the mid-90s stage where for much of my early years, I would get through the winter really with a, I remember one winter, it was just a leather jacket. And I think I had, I was wearing a fleece underneath. That wouldn't have sufficed from the late 90s onwards, where I just became obsessed with big coats, big winter coats that would last for a few years, because I just got to the point where I couldn't cope with the winters this winter, I now, I mean, I wore my winter coat to the post office on Thursday or Friday 
and I probably didn't need to. I don't know if it's because it's mild out or I've just got used to, as I say, running in the winter, albeit in many layers, and I don't feel the cold as much when I'm out. I feel the cold indoors. That's when I really do feel the cold. I only got out for a run twice last week. The grass is treacherous right now. There's just... You just can't get a proper footing on it, and I probably need to replace my trainers right now. I can't remember when I went to the running shop almost a year ago, and they did say you'd need two pairs of trainers, one for the trail when it's in this particular state and one for when uh, it's much better. And obviously, I didn't buy two pairs of trainers. That would have uh, running shoes. That would have been a luxury. But I never thought that I'd be at a point for years where I needed to replace the trainers, the running shoes rather. But, you know, because I, I, I built up my stamina, I'm now at the stage where I probably do need to consider replacing them i'm just slipping everywhere though the running has certainly this january it's not been great and as i say i only got out twice last week so when i get out later today i've got to make sure i do two laps at least i, I certainly don't think i've got more than two laps in me right now i think there was a run last week where i mean technically physically distance wise i'd completed two laps but i'd done a more punishing warm-up which is always incorporated into my running. So I didn't quite complete the second full lap. I just didn't have any more in me. The legs had gone. I'd overdone the warm-up, basically. I'd switched the warm-up to uh, a part of the park where one length in one direction, you're going uphill, then you're coming back down. And although by the time I do the fourth or fifth uphill climb of that warm-up, it's no longer a problem because I'm getting into it. Obviously, it sucked the life out of my legs and I was about maybe 500 meters from being able to complete my second full lap. What's really worrying me now about the running is um, there's a new government ad that I've been hearing on the radio, very hard-hitting, warning about one in three people in the park could have the virus I think it does mention joggers and it's always on my mind with joggers because they are very selfish and even though you know I'm someone that runs I like to think that I'm not one of those selfish runners it can't be about your personal best right now or for the foreseeable maintaining your fitness getting out there doing the exercise that's enough right now but these runners they will they'll just run right past you right by your side you know, often I'm running in another direction. I start my uphill. I, I don't know the whole anti-clockwise, clockwise business. I know that there is a way that uh, there's a direction that most runners start off in. I just like the common sense to do that. And I always, uh, well, in the last six months for me, it's just, uh, it's been easier to start the uphill bit off, first of all. So once I get that out of the way, psychologically, I'm feeling better about the rest of the run. Then I've got to tackle the uphill stretch again at the start of the second lap. The amount of these runners, the heavy breathing, because I've got the headphones in, I'm always saying that. But the amount of them, the number of them that as you're running, they'll overtake you regardless. And there will be a serious encroachment on the social distancing and you just feel their breath. You you get the draft going into your eyes, or you know you'll 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 smell their sweat maybe as they run past you. You know we're all going to be sweating. It's not the sweating is not specific to them. You know they've not got a monopoly on the sweating. I'm sure I'm sweating. Well, I know I am as I'm running, but I try not to overtake people like that. 
I just think it's very hard to defend runners when there is that kind of behavior. And it's just been consistent throughout the 10, 11 months that I've been running. I've been seeing that all the time. You know, you don't need to chase your personal best right now. Anytime there's grass rather than mud, I come off the pathways and away from people. And it's not just runners. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the park users in general, you know, just standing in the way of the paths. It's the paths are narrow. You know, this park isn't mine. It's not yours. It's for all of us. Keep moving. If you're going to stand still to talk to someone, move out the way. You know, keep that path clear for the people that are moving through the park. As I said a few weeks ago, I've changed the part of the route where that that, that involved running all the way around the children's uh, adventure playground. I now actually, my route is slightly longer. I actually take a long cut which leads me to a quieter bit of the park. Not always quieter, but there are more options. It's not just a narrow path there. There is a narrow path, but I've also got the option of grass there as I work my way around the other side of the adventure playground. I'm just not risking any narrow stretches of the park because, I mean, that news on Friday or Saturday was really, really grim. I hadn't caught the news, I think, on Friday until after coming off air after doing the mixed cloud live show with uh with clay trial you want that news that i saw and which i then saw on newsnight about the variant the mutant stroke variant of uh of the virus and the grim stats emerging from its circulation i just thought i mean you really do wonder how we're going to get out of this and given all the variants now, you think, well, I might be able to navigate my way through this right now. But, you know, is this the thing that's going to finish off most of us in the future? Albeit when we get to old age and we're more vulnerable, is this it? Are we just, is this thing just serving notice on us? Because it just, it, it leaves you feeling less confident in the vaccines that we have now. I know that vaccines can be tweaked and, you know, the flu vaccine is a perfect example of that, but you still can get mild flu symptoms or you can even get the flu. It, it doesn't guarantee you 100% protection. And of course, these COVID vaccines are the same, but the fact that this thing is mutating, becoming more transmissible, becoming, you know, the mortality rate increasing among certain sections of society, it just reinforces how difficult it is going to be to get back to any kind of normality in the foreseeable and that's i'm trying to be realistic about this for myself it's all very well having that blue sky thinking but i don't want to be deluded i want to try and work out how given that i'm on my own given that right now i don't even have a bubble how do i come through this how do you get through this whether you're on your own whether you've got a family whether you've got a partner what what's your plan i i don't understand right now i don't see how there is anything about my life right now that that i can change that i can make more exciting because of this situation uh, i just don't see how that can be done right now i'm really following those instructions of just staying at home unless i need to go out the one game, the one FA Cup game that I did pay attention to yesterday was, albeit with the commentary muted, was the Man U-Liverpool game and I uh, wasn't surprised at all that Liverpool 
lost to United. It was such a predictable defeat. A huge part of being a Liverpool fan, and you know, I'm not a massively passionate fan, and the reason for that is easy. These guys are, are making millions. I'm not. You know, if they lose, you don't need to get too upset. But, you know, the United thing always grates. And I think a huge part of being a Liverpool fan is just accepting that United will always be Liverpool's bogey team, regardless of what era we're in. And I've always said this about United, that even when they weren't winning league championships, you know, in the 70s and 80s, they remained more competitive consistently competitive I think than Liverpool when they weren't winning league championships for 30 years and uh, you know over the years over my lifetime Liverpool have had you know several notable bogey teams there was Chelsea in their second division days in the late 70s and uh, early 80s there was Nottingham Forest in Forest's uh, late 70s uh, glory days but United has just been a constant one for the last four or five decades. It's just uh, incredible. Going back to the 77 FA Cup final. And uh, yeah, I didn't expect Liverpool to be coming away from Old Trafford yesterday with a win. Friday was difficult editing when shorts were short. The editing on that took 13 hours. It was the guest. It was the first time I've had a guest using Zoom, but on their mobile. And uh, if you heard the show, you know, they're a, they're a certain age. So they're, they're not, they weren't digitally savvy and it just made it very, very difficult. And I continue to be frustrated as well with uh, all the new gear that I've got and trying to get my levels right. And uh, I just need to find a better way of working on this show at the minute because it's taken up so much time, the football podcast. And that's the problem with coming up with a show that has to be polished that has to be properly produced and also you know the long form interviews it means that I'll end up with about 80 90 minutes of audio and I, I think I edited Friday's show pretty quickly but it was such a difficult edit that it did take 13 hours on a Friday and I'd already edited about 15 minutes of it on the Thursday and 15 minutes of audio editing is you know you're probably looking at two or three hours I think and it just hurts your ears having these big headphones on like I've got on now particularly if you're wearing glasses like I am it's um, I don't see how I'm not going to have cauliflower ear in the next few years if I'm using these big heavy headphones just a, a quick one before I go into the sting, I'm still waiting on ACAST to get back to me on the feed change. Haven't heard back from them for, for a week, but uh, just do keep that in mind that I am looking to finally change the feed for this show. I don't know whether that means you'll have to do anything at your end to make sure that you remain subscribed to the show. But uh, just keep in mind if on a Monday you're not able to download the show that it might be that by then it's gone to ACAST. So just look out for my tweets or visit ACAST to find the show. I'm hoping it goes through ASAP. I've also got my domain name that I'm trying to transfer over to a different domain name provider just because the, the company that I've been with for 16, 17 years, they're so awful now. And I've got four days to get this change done. They've still not come back to me because they need to do something. I think it's called an ID tag. They need to place an ID tag on that domain name so that I can then give it to the new domain company that I'm, I'm looking to switch to so it's looking like at the moment I'm going to have to pay for another year 
Otherwise, I risk losing access to that email even for just a day. And then I'm going to have to pursue a refund because I've given them enough notice. I've given them enough notice. And I also told them four months ago when my email went missing for days, for weeks, in fact, three weeks, I wasn't getting any emails to that domain name, the West Egg one. And I didn't think anything of it because I was just working so hard. I didn't think anything of it. It was almost a relief not to be getting uh, these emails. There's a throat. So for me, it's just further evidence that uh, leaving these uh, domain name providers is, uh, is the right thing to do. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Sweating the small stuff every Monday, episode 305. Do please follow this work on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 facebook.com forward slash DRT available. Do find all my work at danielruiztyson.com. If you'd like to support the show, if you're able to support the show, you've got PayPal and coffee.com links at danielruiztyson.com. All donations come right back into this work. Most importantly, though, the best way to support this work, and I do hope that you'll consider it, is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Loads of bonus content already up on there from the last uh, 14 months, and there were bonus shows every Thursday for much of the last, or pretty much every week of the last uh, six, seven months scaffolding news now the scaffolding has finally come down at the front of the building i think it come down from this uh from the top floor last week but not all of it had come down i think thursday or friday they got rid of the rest but there is still scaffolding around the back and side of the building uh, the roof leaks has still still not been dealt with so i'm having to chase that it's just incredible how long that's been going on but uh, it is great not to have the scaffolders the cockney scaffolders outside these windows anymore listening to their inane patter and you know it's a bit like salem's lot where you, you you turn around you look at your window and there's someone hovering outside the window and of course they've got the usual uh hard fm rubbish playing off uh off some radio a big weekend in terms of reading Plowed my way through several books. I finished James Lovegrove's Sherlock Holmes and the Beast of the Stapletons. It's a continuation of The Hound of the Baskervilles. This is uh, Pastiche Holmes, obviously. It's set five years on from the original uh, Baskervilles and uh, or Hounds, as Sherlockians call the book. And once again, Holmes and uh, Watson must travel to Dartmoor to, and this is from the blurb, to confront the depredations of some marauding mythical monster great fun 400 pages an absolute pleasure to read you know i've got no problem with uh, reading lighter stuff and uh, you know slightly fantastical which is not really my thing but i do like james lovegrove reading a football book uh, well i was reading a football book alongside it for much of the week for when shorts were short ahead of an interview that i'm uh, looking to arrange in the next few weeks saturday evening i started the devil's Jew, another pastiche holmes book by bonnie mcbird probably more faithful to the conan doyle world of holmes and uh, i finished that 
in a day. Hardback, it's never great reading hardbacks uh, for me. They do hurt my hands. And as I say, I'm just a paperback guy. But sometimes there's such a gap between the release of uh, the hardback and the paperback that I just end up picking up the hardback uh, from the library. But if I can, I'd rather have uh, the paperback. And uh, I enjoyed that, though. I think that it's the third in the Sherlock Holmes series by Bonnie McBird, who, by the way, is the uh, scriptwriter, the screenwriter behind the original Tron film from 1982, which I still haven't seen, despite as a kid being a fan, I think, of Bruce Boxleitner, who um, I really liked his character, Luke, and how the West was won, a brilliant Western series from the late 70s that ITV used to uh, show on a Sunday, which I found on YouTube and rewatched last uh, last year, and I can see why it was big for its time. It looks very dated now, but it was fairly decent. Yeah, he was a he was a one of my favourite actors as a kid. He was also in Bring Him Back Alive, which was a, a show about a big game hunter. I think uh, it was set in Africa. I think in the nineteen twenties, semi autobiographical. I think it only lasted for a year or two, but that started in late. 82. So of the three Sherlock Holmes books Bonnie McBird has written, I think this was probably the weakest of the three. The first two I think were very strong. Anyway, I finished that last night and then I started straight away on Sherlock Holmes and the Crusaders Curse by Stuart Douglas, a Titan book. And these are the ones, this is the range of books that got me into the whole pastiche Holmes thing. And uh, the blurb for that, experiencing a period of boredom at uh, 221B Baker Street, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson accept an invitation to spend a few days on the country, should be in the country. The last Lord Thorpe has died and with his, with his estate due to be auctioned off, the pair are on a mission to locate a missing jewel. The Daytrop Diamond, the gemstone brought back from the Crusades by a Thorpe ancestor and the apparent source of a curse. There are always two things to consider when approaching a new entry into the Holmes canon. Firstly, does the author do justice to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's legendary sleuth? And is it a good story? Here, Stuart Douglas almost gets it right on both counts. Almost. The whole almost thing, it does remind me of uh, my all-time often mentioned favourite review for a music album, which was uh, Tears for Fears is the Season of Love. And it was either Enemy or Melody Maker that called it a magnificent failure. If I had produced a, a body of work that took me years to turn out and it was labelled a, a magnificent failure. I think I'd take that as a compliment. I think I'd take it a, a, as a as a compliment. So anyway, I'm finishing... Well, I'm not quite halfway through that uh, Crusader's Curse book. It's okay. It's okay. It's, um, you know, it's enjoyable sometimes. You just need to switch off. Let me give you my nectar points. I am low on uh, shopping at the moment because I'm really taking that advice to heart. Stay home. The situation is so bad now in London. You know, maybe the figures are dropping off slightly, but at the same time, they're not going down as quickly as they should be. So I'm staggering the shopping right now rather than every seven days. I'm trying to go every 10 days. So I'm going to go to Little uh, tomorrow. I need to pick up some stuff from the uh, pharmacy too. The calzone on Saturday night, because I hadn't got to Little. I had to fall back on the first choice thin and crispy spicy chicken pizza for the calzone conversion. The first time in a few months that pizza's been used. And uh, it's got the extra thick base compared to the little one, which has got a very thin base. 
I overstuffed it. The pizza tore in half on the fold over and I, you know, I just ate so much. I was almost in pain on Saturday evening and I thought, oh, I've done, I've overdone this. And also I was running out of time to finish six pints of milk. So I had to have about um, three or four glasses of that milk because I don't like wastage. And in the end, I drank so much milk that I couldn't finish the actual bottle. So on Sunday morning, I was hoping that I would forget that the milk had expired on the Saturday night. And because I was up early on the Sunday, I just thought, well, I can, you know, just put a splash of milk in my coffee. Well, more than a splash because I don't like strong coffee. I can use this milk. I might forget that it's expired and I might just not realize it's expired because it's going to taste fine. Couldn't resist smelling the milk before I went to pour it into the coffee and now it smelt off. So there's a real fine line with milk. I I think with dairy products, you can't really get away with bending those expiry dates. Whereas for the calzone pizza on Saturday night, I used ham that had expired five days previously and which, just to be on the safe side, once I was eating the calzone and I could discern that the ham didn't taste really as ham should, I only had half of the ham and I got rid of the rest. I just thought, just err on the side of caution here because I'm being quite blasé at the moment with the, well, in recent months with the, um, with the expiry dates. There was something, I think it might have been in, in the Observer yesterday or in Saturday's Guardian about the whole expiry date thing is they're looking to change it to just best before date. So it's a recommendation. So it, the onus is going to be on you as the consumer to smell your, 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 your food items, maybe taste them before using them. And that's what I'm trying to do. But obviously, I think perhaps I'm taking a few risks. My sibling was a bit concerned about uh, the backlog of uh, microwaved pasties that she found here when uh, she came uh, just before Christmas and uh, you know I knew that she had a point so if you remember I did get rid I think of about three of the six that were in the fridge but I just wasn't prepared to waste them all let me give you my uh, nectar points now got uh, I think there were two trips to Sainsbury's last week just one was one of those local Sainsbury's which were an absolute rip-off but I thought that would tide me over as a uh, that was on Friday as I couldn't get to Little, uh, you know, because I'm just going out once. So I thought, well, if I go out twice, it's hardly likely anyone's going to know. But I will know that I'm breaking the guidance and uh, I want to do my bit, you know. So I'm observing this properly. The 19th of January, so that was last Tuesday, there was a trip to the bigger Sainsbury's, bought some yogurt, uh, some 35p Sainsbury's own salt, Head and shoulders, £4.50, down from £5. That was uh, some shampoo. Not shampoo and conditioner, as you know, if you're a regular listener. I like the specialist products, the whole kind of two-in-one thing. That doesn't work for me. Bought some uh, chili sauce, some antibacterial wipes, some conditioner. Standby tin of beans. I think it's always good to have a tin of beans in the, in the flat. Bought a single orange for 30p, some washing-up liquid. Uh, 511 points before going in there spent 10 pounds 90 points earned 10 ended up with 521 points worth 2 pounds 60 then on friday at the sainsbury's local i bought a backup loaf of bread white bread and it just reminded me right away it's farmhouse bread 800 grams why i don't really like white bread just tasted very sort of 70s 80s it's a bit of a jolt 
to the system when you're tending to use, you know, seeded, mixed grain, bread, whatever it's called. I bought some skimmed milk and uh, a bag of porridge, a kilo of porridge, one pound twenty, rather than the um, the normal hundred and uh, sorry seventy five p bag of oats that I get from Lidl. Again, just to make sure that I'm not coming up short before I do manage to get to Lidl this week. Spent three pound fifteen in a in a normal Sainsbury's. That probably would have been around two pounds ninety. Previous points balance was five to one, as you just heard. Accrued three nectar points, and now my nectar points are five hundred and twenty-four. That's what they stand at. That's worth two pounds sixty-two. I'm wondering whether you know I capitalise on that early and you know get a two pound fifty discount on my next purchase. Or just sit on it and see what I can build that up to. Been a while since I've done that. And that is the show this week. That is the end of today's show. I'm back on Friday night with another Mixed Cloud live show. Trial you want, 8 to 9.30 p.m. on Mixed Cloud. We tend to go on for longer. You can follow that Twitter account at trialyouwant underscore. I'll say that again, trialyouwant underscore. Only 12 followers show that account. Some love. And uh, episode 7, if you're into your retro football, episode 7 of When Shorts Were Short will be out by Friday. And I've got a really good guest this week. I'm looking forward to actually editing that. It was a, a very enjoyable interview. And now it is time for me to tell you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. And this start of the week, I have been available. <laughs> <laughs>